Radio Battle 2, Episode 9. I'm your host, Troy Kaze, and I'm here with... Zine of Zeta. That's right. And it is 12132007, nearing the end of the era. And we are here to talk completely f- with just fearless aggression about video games and anime. So, we're going to get kicking the way we always get it kicking when you're in the hood. And that is what you've been playing, Zeta? Uh, let's see. What have I been playing? You know, I looked at my list of topics for the episode, and I don't have anything. Oh, wait. I do. I do. Okay. Wonderswan. I've been playing Wonderswan stuff. <laughs> Perfect. The so, Zetalings are cheering. This is kind of a sort of sort of an, an I mean, this is what I've been playing, but this is sort of actually in a, a, console, a console quirks episode because... The Wonderswan is a console quirk. It's such a weird thing. Um, it's, uh, you know, remember the Game Boy Color and the Neo Geo Pocket? Well, the Wonderswan is one pretty much like that. Same basic level of power, same time frame. Right before Sony announced the PSP and made everybody develop really powerful handhelds, whether we wanted them or not, that cost twice as much. The Wonderswan came out, uh, I don't know when it was, 98 or something? And it was black and white, just like the Neo Geo Pocket was. But then they soon changed their mind and decided to make it color. And the the software is pretty much compatible frontwards and backwards. I'm not sure if there are color games that won't run in a black and white or not. There might be. Uh, And then after a while, for some reason, their their original color was a passive matrix color, non-backlit screen. Making it just about the only one of those I've ever seen. So it's kind of hard to see and blurry. And then towards the end, they came out with the Swan Crystal. This is Bandai, by the way. Did I mention that? Um, you think you did. They came Maybe out not. with the Swan Crystal, which was another Wonder Swan color, but it but it had an active matrix TFT screen, so it's about as clean. Whoa, my phone's going off. Hold on a sec. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm one of those guys. Um, yeah, you're that dickhead. I don't even know who that was. It was me. I silenced it so quickly. <laughs> okay, phone off over there. Anyway, uh, so the the, the uh, Swan Crystal gives it a screen that's about as easy to see as a Neo Geo Pocket, which if you've played one, you know is about as good as you're ever going to get from something that doesn't have a light. Uh, and because I'm such a hardcore Wonder Swan fan, not really, but um, I, I paid uh, MASH at MASHMods.com to put a front light in a Swan Crystal so it lights up. But I basically have a light-up swan crystal and a non-light-up swan crystal because when you put the front light in there, it kind of fucks with the perfection of the screen. Like, it's a little muddy and all that. But if you're in zero light, you can actually play it, which you can't do with a regular one. So it's kind of cool to have them both around. Anyway, Wonder Swan. That not that a obvious name i mean wouldn't you call a game system a wonder swan it's beautiful it's what i would imagine miyazaki calls his game system well i'm not sure who named it but it was actually designed by gunpei yokoi who is the now dead creator of many nintendo things and when he was fired after the virtual boy he started his own little company and that, that design company sold this idea to bandai probably some idiot at bandai came up with the actual name of wonder swan i'm not sure uh, but the nice thing about the Swan is it, it was actually kind of a cheap system, you know, like PSPs are, what are they, $150 now or something still, even though they've yeah, been out possibly. for years. Whereas Wonder Swans were actually selling for as little as 40 during the time frame they were still supported, and, and they were never more than like 70 Isn't the DS still 120 130 129.99 or something. Right, and did yeah. you just hate on the PSP for being 150 well, when they came out, the PSP was like twice as expensive as the DS. I mean, it was three hundred. Right. You know, that, I mean, that's not the case that, anymore. Yeah, but that was. I think the PSP and the threat of the PSP is obviously what made Nintendo throw together the DS and make something that was so much more powerful in the Game Boy Advance, just way beyond the Game Boy Advance. Uh, so, so anyway, the Swan. <clears throat> everything on it is obviously two D. It's a sixteen-bit system. It has a much 
nicer, it has a bigger screen than a Neo Geo Pocket, and it can throw down a lot of colors. So um, it, it really can produce some nice still images. Uh, I would say it's about on par with Neo Geo Pocket power-wise and almost like half a step towards Game Boy Advance because it can display so many colors at once but it can't do like hardware scaling and all that shit and the cartridges are nowhere as near as big as Game Boy Advance cartridges so even though you can do full motion video on a Wonderswan you never see it because they just don't, they aren't that big so what have I been playing on this dead handheld uh <laughs> I think you just named the episode dead handheld that's such a badass name um, so I've that been should playing... be my gamer tag, fuck <laughs> I've been playing Gundam games of course this system being designed by Bandai, it is loaded with all the games that Bandai has licenses to. So there are like five One Piece games. There's, well, I don't, there might only be one Dragon Ball Z game because that, that show is kind of dormant right now. Well, yeah. I remember in my youth, like, really wishing that we had Wonder Swan over in America so I could play anime games. Yeah. I probably didn't miss much. Well, here's the deal. You know, if. If you're if you're interested in playing a game based on your favorite show, um, you're willing to make a few compromises. It doesn't have to be the greatest thing. It just has to be good, decent, you know. Uh, and in the old days, anime games were really horrible. <laughs> like on the Famicom and the Super Famicom, they were just most of the time. But they, the, nowadays, you know, you got to admit they're really you know playable anime games come out all the time now. Um, and that was sort of moving. That was a transitionary period right about, right about the t- same time as the Swan came out. So um, Bandai originally, and when it was just a black and white Swan, they did have like more action games, like Capcom made Pocket Fighter and Ghouls and Ghosts for it, and Mega Man Forte. But uh, after a while, those people all kind of flew the coop, and you ended up with a lot of anime games. Uh, but since it's like the way the Japanese make anime games is they don't always do just whatever's on TV at the moment. Like they'll do, they did a space cruiser Yamada one that's been off the air since 1974. Right. So what did you play? I played Gundam. And as you can imagine, there are far more than one, there's more than one Gundam game, but, um, there's a, there's a three-parter series, mobile suit Gundam volume one, which is called side seven. Volume two is called Jaburo and volume three is called Abuaku. And that, and they basically follow the same storylines that are in the three movies, conveniently, which are condensed forms of the television episodes. But because they're games and there's no running time restrictions, you actually have a few things thrown in there that got edited out of the movies. And the way these games work is you see like a, you're in your robot and you play as Amuro and it goes right through the movie storyline. And you see your uh, Gundam and you see it from the top, like a radar scope view. And the control is uh, relative. So like left is always left. Um, for the robot, not for you. Up is always forward, and back is always, down is always back. And uh, when you you get little guys on your radar scope, and you push B to like select which one you want to attack, and you push A, and then it brings up a menu, and you can say, I want to hit him with the gun, I want to hit him with the beam sword. So it's semi turn based, semi real time at once. Uh, one of the big attractions is when you do the battles and stuff. There's like really good uh, animations, like all original stuff. Um, new new animations and stuff drawn just for this and everything in the game is kind of the mecha designs have been kind of uh, updated so like if you're a Gundam nerd you know the difference you know that the Gundam that was in the show in 79 doesn't look like Hajime Katoki's new drawings of that same robot he's like modernized it a lot so this is looks fun like, is the game the game fun? I think the game is fun okay yeah, but would uh, like humans find it fun? Humans may find it fun. It's one of those things. Like I said, <laughs> if it if you want, you're willing to make a few sacrifices. It's a little simplistic, and the only problem that I have is the first time I went through all three of these games. I've owned these for a couple of years. First time I went through the second one, I got stuck on this one one enemy because if you blow him up, like he blows up and kills you too. So there's something you have to do to beat him and I can't remember what the hell it is so I'm stuck on it again even though I was stuck on it you try pressing the reset button well that's what happens when you blow him up pretty much (laughs) you die and you start (laughs) over and then also I beat that originally but I got stuck on the third game last time so now I'm like gonna go through all this again I can't remember did did you not get my reset button reference I just gotta make sure uh, testing your credentials here um 
partially probably. Isn't that it? And I didn't own a Sega growing up, so I'm gonna preface with what I'm about to say with that. But isn't it there the the Sega Spider Man or X Man game? There's a bomb in it, and you have to disarm the bomb to to win the level. And the and they keep telling you you need to reset the bomb, and they literally mean for you to press the reset button on your console. Really? And no one could ever figure that out. Like, hmm. everyone figured it out when they were at the end of their rope. Like, oh, I'm so pissed at this game. They'd slam reset and then say bomb disarm. That's super clever. Yeah, it's it's some metagame type shit. Kind of like that Daffy Duck game for the DS. Where they, uh, they kind of take you outside. Like, they have you shut the DS and, like, you know, Daffy tells you it's dark in there and you actually use, like, the L and R buttons to navigate them around oh, with wow, the lid closed. Cool. I didn't know about that. I knew about some of the stuff in Hotel Dusk because they have you closing the lid. and, and Daffy like Duck had to get special uh, allowances from Nintendo oh, that to be the only DS game that can shut document. without sleeping. Well, there there's at least one more, Animal Crossing. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it, it's kind of a bummer, actually, cause I, because it's real-time, you can't hibernate it, but sometimes you just want to close it. You know, you get used to being able to do that. Uh, anyway. So, yeah, Wonder Swan weirdness um shit's cheap by that system right now buy it if you feel like wasting 50 bucks on a bunch of stuff and, <laughs> and i enjoy ringing this endorsement that i can see the bandai dollars flooding your bank account right now <laughs> yeah i i well see that's the interesting thing about i was listening I, I don't usually talk about other shows but i was listening to retro knots recently and uh they were explaining how when the 2600 came out it started all of these things that we now think of as normal, like having a release dates. But more importantly, the idea that this system would live on beyond one Christmas season, because by selling you software on cartridges, you just, you know, keep buying software. And now it's like no one, everyone expects a system, like when people think about video games, this is not me, I don't think this way, but when people think about video games, they think about, like, is this a winner system or is this a loser system? And there can only be one winner system, and if the system, you know, dies and doesn't get sequeled or whatever, then it's a loser system, you know. And I think what Bandai did with the Wonderswan was kind of unique because they made it at a price point that they could profit at. And if it only lasted, it didn't have to, you know, like with an Xbox, you know, they got to be in the market for 15 years or whatever to actually make a profit. With Wonder Swan, they just designed something that's like, hey, let's make something we can make money off. If it's a hit, it's not, you know, if it, whatever. Uh, we can exist alongside Nintendo's Game Boy. We don't need to crush it. Well, whatever. that's kind of the way Nintendo's always operated. I mean, the Wii, the Wii realistically, like parts-wise, could be like $112. But they just were well, very they, comfortable they do making a profit with it, yeah. you know? Same thing with the DS. The DS isn't really $120 worth of hardware. Not it's anymore, just, it's not. <laughs> that's that's what it's worth to them to keep selling to you, and they they make money off of it. Yeah, they, they don't, make, they don't have amazing. to take they, losses. They make money off a system that costs half as much as the competition. <laughs> and the competition makes nothing off the other one. You know, it's... Yeah, I mean, the, the Xbox has really had to, to scrimp and strain to make it down to 280 yeah. to, to compete with the Wii, but... I mean, that's a significantly less powerful Xbox than what, say, I wield. <laughs> is that the arcade? What, what yeah. is the deal with that, anyway? And why did they pick such a stupid and confusing name? Actually, um, it's totally marketed to casual gamers. So it comes with crap like Pac-Man and other, like, you know, retro titles to get, like, dads or something that want to just mess around with some video games in at a relatively low price point, and it can play Madden. See, like what's, it's, what's it's aimed at those it dudes. It's not aimed at you or me. You know? What what did they break on it in order to well, make it? Well, it's no hard drive. It. Okay, and but they like, already had one of those. I think the games are loaded on well it's it's the replacement for the one with no hard drive. It replaces the core. Oh, so, oh okay. Like it's it's cheaper and it gives you some Well, can you still plug a hard games. drive into it? Yeah. Oh, okay. You still have one later if you want to, but that's a ginormous rip off. Like, they really fuck you over if you want to run that route. Yeah, isn't it like $100 and only get us 40 gigs or something? 20 gigs. 20 gigs, yeah. It's like... That's an expensive enclosure, man. It might be $100. (laughs) And then the the 120 gig one, I think, is like $85. And the 
the 20 gig one I think might be like $60 or something. It's I don't know. It's they're both really ridiculously expensive. I don't know what I'm talking about. Because, you know, I buy my systems with the hard drives in them if I yeah. can. Yeah, I don't know. Um, all right, so that links very well into what have I been playing? Because everyone knows uh, I play things made this decade, uh, this century, in fact, unlike you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all those games came out in like, well, they might have come out in 01. I'm not sure. Well, the third one might have come out in 01. I don't know. Right, but uh, so... Uh, to start off on a minor minor thing, uh, I tried out the the new Xbox release, Arcadian Warriors, for the uh, the Xbox Live Arcade, and it attracted me because it had the word Warriors in it, and the artwork, uh, like in the ad, looked like Ronin Warriors. So I was like, okay, Warriors, I'll check it out. Whoops. <laughs> There was a game that uh, I, I wanted to uncheck out right away. <laughs> it, uh, it sucks. It's not worth your time. It's a dungeon crawler, and, like, I don't know. It's just it's not fun at all. Don't bother. Don't waste your time even downloading it. I wish I hadn't. Not fun. Um, then uh, I have acquired Puzzle F- Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix. <laughs> Uh, the longest named game ever. <laughs> oh, I doubt it. No, I know. There's some Japanese game. As long as the English title ever for a game. Pretty certain. It's pretty long. It's, uh, it's you know, the same old puzzle fire you know and loved with a couple of negatives. One is that the, uh, I know I'm not quite remembering the name, but like adventure puzzle mode or whatever, where you like, fought through and unlocked all like the different sounds and the different win logos and like the song by Sakura's voice actress and all the things you remember from the PS1 title unfortunately don't exist anymore. Yeah. That's because they need to keep the size for an Xbox Live Arcade title below 50 megs or 100 megs. I can't remember which. But they have to keep it below a certain size. So extraneous stuff like sound files uh, get cut if they if they can. Although I don't know why you can't unlock sound test or some of that other garbage, but who really cares? People don't really want sound test so much anymore. That sounds like a lame excuse. <laughs> I, like I said, I'm not really worried about uh, the lame. presentation is awesome. They went and got Udon to redraw all the backgrounds in HD, so everything's very nice looking. And yes, it, it's all 16.9 for you. Um, all the sound is still the original soundtrack, and that game had a great soundtrack. You know, all the background music was good. All the character voices were totally top tier. The announcer was awesome. Uh, the game's fun. It's challenging. They rebalanced all the modes and they put in more modes, so you get the the variety. And yeah, of you course get the it's stuff got... that was on the uh, Dreamcast version, I think. Yeah, you get 200 achievement points for you whores out there. Some of them are easy, some of them are quite difficult. Like, beating the game on hard with Dan, that's a hell of fight achievement. That's something to be proud of. But you get an achievement also for just being smart enough to select Akuma. <laughs> like six points. You get something. So it's got it's got something for everyone. It is, in my opinion, the overall best puzzle game of all time. Like, unquestionably. I don't think any game has ever managed to surpass it. Um, I mean, I heard a lot of people, you know, sucking the dick of goddamn uh, the the Tetris Attack revamp for the DS mm, no. puzzle. It's just something. not. It's just not Plant off. Puzzle League. Yeah. yeah, Plant Puzzle League is a snooze fest compared to Puzzle Fire Two Turbo. Um, so it's a brilliant game. I'm you probably have played it by now. Um, uh, it's actually one of the games responsible for uh, Zeta and I knowing each other was the Puzzle Fighter tournament at Anime Central 1997 when we, like, took over the lobby, had the big projector screen, and, oh, like, drew that, all the yeah. casual fans we in the... from the bars and everything. And, yeah, okay. like, regular people will sit and watch Puzzle Fighter. It's an amazing game to behold. Especially when it's four feet tall. Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> it's colorful, and it's bright, and it's fun. So yeah, it's... I'm a huge fan of that game. I have Saturn version, of course, because I'm yeah. OG... It's easy to learn, uh, difficult to master, and I'm not sure how the rebalancing makes it for tournament play. 
hopefully it's it's solid because definitely the PS1 version was unbalanced. There were some characters that just had really unfair drop patterns, and there was well, nothing you could do about it. It's pretty simple. They just don't let you pick Ken. Yeah, that, that was a big part of it. Although, uh, Ken was easy to exploit if he didn't make big combos. If he made a lot of little combos, he was essentially like playing against Dan. But, yeah, when he dropped a big combo, it was almost impossible to come back. You were pretty much dead. So, anyway, uh, that was part of why I've been playing those two games. Now to get to kind of the meat of my gaming experience... Um, I've been, you know, doing a lot of assembly programming and a lot of uh, a lot of stuff for finals. But now that's out of my way. My life has been worshiping at the altar that is Mass Effect. Mm. Um, I'm pretty biased towards Mass Effect for the reason of uh, when Knights of the Old Republic came out, it was my game of the year for that year. It was a fantastic game, beginning to end, up to down, back to forward. I enjoyed every minute I was in it. And I couldn't get enough. I mean, I played it probably, I don't know, maybe 60, 70 hours. And I just, I was sad to see it end. It was one of my favorite games of all time. It's definitely a top 10 title. And now, to kind of interact with its spiritual successor using basically far better in every single category interfaces... Uh, Mass Effect is very, very enjoyable too. I am disappointed it's not backed by kind of the the whole Dungeons and Dragons dice system, like some games, you know, where it actually your gun does two d six or whatever. Like that's kind of fun to know, but it's not really a big negative. I mean, they've no, got their um, own thing going on. I'm a huge. You know. I I'm a. I don't know anything about this game. It's, so what is uh, it? It's basically kind of a space drama. You know, like where, yeah, you know, you're in space, but it's not like senselessly sci-fi, you know, where you pretty much have like technology replacing magic in a fantasy setting. It's not like that. It's a lot more gritty and they try to portray, you know, kind of the horrors of war and like, you know, they it's, it's basically a very dramatic type experience. It's very cinematic. Uh, the story goes that you know and you make your own character here and you can name him his first name whatever you want but the last name has to be Shepard so that way all the voice actors don't just have to leave your name out of everything oh oh, yeah clever yeah so uh, you're playing through as Shepard and Shepard can look you know pretty much like whatever you want I mean it's not the most powerful uh, character creation out there but it does have enough that you can kind of approximate yourself unless you look really fucking weird. But you will always come out looking like the badass Space Marine version of yourself. You know, it's you, but it's you if you've been in the Army since 16 fighting the good fight and being really tough. So you, you look kind of like you, but you're just you're much tougher. Um, so you basically, the idea is that Shepard kind of through a series of like political missteps and um, actual quality soldiering, finds himself in the unique position of being the first human to join this uh, elite group called the Spectres. The Spectres get to operate autonomously outside the law and are only really answerable to like essentially the Senate. You know, you're kind of like a Secret Service agent. Um... Some big shit's going down. You've got to put a stop to it. And uh, you can pretty much roam free from there. The game, while it has, like, linear story paths, like, you don't have to go do any of them. You can just fart around, like, looking for minerals and, and taking down terrorists and, like, discovering new forms of life and getting it on with alien chicks and getting lap dances or whatever it is you want to take up your time with you're free to just roam this expansive uh, game and you go from planet to planet there's all these different systems and I mean the only thing that I really can say bad about Mass Effect is what everyone has to say which is that it's unfortunate that the Xbox does not have a hard drive built in so that Mass Effect can't just be allowed to dump a bunch of files onto the hard drive and swap back and forth. 
Like, as a result, Mass Effect has to go to the CD a little too often to, to get some data, and that can... Like, there's a lot of elevators that split up zones, so you ride in elevators <laughs> while it's fetching the next area. That that part's unfortunate, but it has not detracted from the game experience at all. It's a game that gets back to trying to tell story instead of just trying to, to blow up lots of shit. Well, what but, is it? You do play it, right? What does it play like? Um, they've actually like made a new paradigm that hasn't existed before as far as I know yet one more reason I love this game is that it it tries so many new things Um, the way it works is it's kind of like a first person shooter but over the shoulder kind of like your Gears of War Resident Evil 4 view however when you are shooting things it's actually kind of rolling dice behind the scenes you know like I'm putting the reticule and I'm pulling the trigger and maybe I'm not really right on him perfectly but it knows that that's who I was shooting at and it's going to roll the dice of you know my skill with that gun and that gun's accuracy rating and that gun's damage against the enemy's armor damage or whatever and in real time it's that guy's going to get hit or he's not going to get hit so it will really throw off like big FPS fans that want this to be a true FPS because Sometimes you can put the reticule right on someone and shoot, and it will miss because you have no skill with that weapon at all. You know? It's assumed your lack of ability is the reason why you can't shoot him. Or you're at least missing with some of your bullets. So if you can get around that kind of disconnect between what exactly you see and what exactly happens, then it's one of the most fun combat systems I've played in. Uh, taking cover is really easy and firing around cover and everything's very natural. Um, there is no jumping. Uh, there's no platforming in the game at all, thankfully. Um, yeah, that kind of sums up combat. I mean, there's all these different powers that are kind of similar to Force powers. <laughs> they, you know, they don't have a license for Star Wars this time around, but, you know, they're still pushing and putting up shields and healing yourself and like lifting everyone in the big radius up into the air against the ceiling and shooting them and I mean it's it's just so entertaining. Um you've got a three person party. The two other people operate off of AI and you can set if you just want them to be defensive and tell them when to use their offensive skills or if you just want to kind of cut them loose and let them wreak havoc. Uh I highly suggest you let them wreak havoc. They're they're far better at using all their shit than you'll ever will be if you micromanage. You know, it's not worth your time. It's nice to just be able to kick in the door and know that your two guys are going to do their absolute best to stay alive and kick ass, and they'll take cover, and, you know, they're they're good allies. They're, you never really feel like the fact that you don't control them directly is really limiting to you. Because um, if you want to activate one of their powers, you can. You always have the option. Um, the only other thing to mention uh, is... This was a drawback for some people, but it doesn't seem to bother me. Is a lot of times in Mass Effect, you land on a planet. And when you land on a planet, uh, I mean, it's really like you're landing on the moon, essentially. You are driving this dune buggy thing to these different locations on the planet to interact with things. Um, some people hate the dune buggy. They they wish it drove more like a warthog from Halo 3. And they mm. just they really? don't like it. Well... People are very, very good at driving warthogs. So oh, okay. apparently the control scheme must work because, I mean, you can look online and see people doing all kinds of warthog stunts. So apparently warthogs control well, and they don't like how the Mass Effect Doom buggy controls. I have not had a great deal of problem with it, but, uh, I mean, yeah, it definitely could, I guess, be better. One other thing to mention is Mass Effect kind of gets back to the olden days of no tutorials. Thank God. There is no shit. Holy crap, I'm tired of that. Yeah, there's no time in Mass Effect where it's like, Welcome, Commander. Even though you're a commander, you probably don't remember exactly how this ship works. Allow me to introduce (laughs) its features. Yeah, like, that shit doesn't happen. You know, you better get out the instruction book or something, son. (laughs) If you don't remember how it works, too bad for you. I mean, they really just... They throw you into the ocean and expect you to to swim to you know, you know, take funny, the penny um, arcade metaphor literally. When Yoshi's Island came out, myself 
not so much, but a lot of people did, thought that it talked too much. And now you look at it and you're like, fuck, the thing's only got like a minute and a half of reading in it game for the entire game, you know? And now it's like, <laughs> it doesn't matter what you play. It's yada, 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 yada. And, and, and you know, and they're thinking to themselves, oh, we've created such a massive deep game that you need to be told how to play it. But I'm thinking if your game is good, it will explain itself as you are playing it. Maybe with a little instruction, but I mean, some of the shit you gotta wait a half an hour through that. Crap. Yeah, Mass Effect through never that. breaks up the story to tell you how to do anything at all, and that can be good and bad. Um, for instance, neither me nor uh, my friend who's also playing through it realized that the Doom buggy you're driving around on has a cannon turret. <laughs> That's so like, like it has this gun. weak sauce gun assigned to the the R trigger but the R bumper shoots like a super powerful cannon but the game never tells you that so you just need to fart around and figure it out so that that's kind of where the negative of no tutorial could be but outside of that I mean I really haven't run into a lot of things that I just couldn't figure my way around and it's it's refreshing to you know for a game to kind of take me seriously as a gamer it's like, hey, I assume you've played some games before. You'll probably get through this shit, you know? You'll figure it out. I don't need to, to handhold you. So for the the storytelling, um, the expansive world, uh, the innovative new combat system, the characterization, um, the branching paths, the, the open world, and the, the nice new universe to play in, I mean, Mass Effect is probably my game of the year. Now, this is where people are like, what the fuck? Haven't you played all the other games of the year? And this is where I have to come clean. No, I guess I have not played Call of Duty 4 or Bioshock. Or, uh, what's the other one? Orange Box. But you know what? Those are all more first-person shooters, okay? (laughs) Giving them a game of the year is no-brainer type stuff. Let's give it to someone that's actually trying something fucking new, you know? Well, not only that, but I think that, well, this isn't always the case, but uh, in a way, they failed the test. I mean, if you're not interested, if you know, I mean, we all know all we want to know about these kinds of games, like Orange Box and all that shit. We can't stop hearing about it, right? So if you're not interested even enough in to, in, to actually play it, then what are the chances that if you did play it, it would be your game of the year? Oh no! I want to play. Slim, I, I'm very interested in playing through the single player of Call of Duty Four, but it's just—I um, mean, when I had to pick what I was going to get for free off that website, I mean, I went <laughs> for Mass Effect because that was more important to me. That I could tell that was going to be the better experience. You know, I'm kind of FPSed out. Um. Yeah, I can. I. I... Never was into it, so that's I'm I'm out of it too, I guess. Yeah, Mass Effect, best Western RPG I've ever played, hands down. Uh, I don't like Oblivion. I don't think it's very fun. I think it is, as uh, Zeta has mentioned, kind of before. It's very brown. It's very D and D artwork style. It's very blah. A lot of dungeon crawling. Nice thing about Mass Effect is. Any dungeon in the game is only going to be about 10 minutes. There is no, like, super deep cavern where it literally takes you, like, an hour to get through it. No. In Mass Effect, like, every mission I've ever been on, like, anytime I've had me go, like, deep into enemy territory, most of the time I'm only there, like, 10, 12 minutes before I get to a point where I can go back to the main area and breathe and relax and buy items again or... Like, you know, they don't they don't force me down in the, the cellar for hours killing stuff. That may change as I advance the story. I'm I've played about thirty hours so far. And I have not yet really ever felt burned out on a dungeon like God I wish this dungeon was over. I wish I could get it back to the the area with people and interact with people some more. And Mass Effect interacting with people is rewarding. Which too many games miss the point on, you know? To me, RPGs, talking to people, is nothing but a waste of your time. But Mass Effect, these people give you side quests. They they give you items. They give you at least something interesting to do. 
There's an in-game encyclopedia chock full of detail about the universe, which for you know nerds like me, that, that tickles a special part of my brain when I see a developer put that much love into a universe. You know, I, I'm definitely into that sort of thing. I mean, if there was a Gundam game like Mass Effect, I'm sure it would be Zeta's greatest game of all time, hands down. I doubt it. You don't pilot a robot in that game. Well, you pilot a dune buggy if the dune buggy was replaced with a mobile suit. <laughs> okay, is there despair? Yes. Hmm. It, like I said, it's got, some, it's got some political sides. It's got, like, romance during wartime. It's got, you know, it's got a lot of the, the things that make adult space drama, like, interesting and intriguing. It's not, you know, probably the most sophisticated space drama out there, but compared to, like, stupid-ass bullshit stories that we accept in the video game universe, yeah, it's fucking bad. incredible. <laughs> I mean, why is it amazing when we find out that, like, an author works on a video game? Why is that a foreign concept yeah. to us? Like, no, they, it, they sh- shouldn't they always have writers? You know, shouldn't, if they're gonna shouldn't video games much, be yeah. in trouble because of the writer strike? But it turns out they're not because they're written by, like, whoever the fuck ha- feels like writing the them. The modelers. And <laughs> yeah, the, like, the improv, the voice. The, the guy that's working in Poser gets to do the story this time around. You know, I mean, it's... Like, someone kind of spilled the beans for me a little bit on how the, the story to Assassin's Creed was. And it was, like, it was a little dumb. And then he, you know, we started talking about Fear. Fear is an old game. So I feel a little comfortable to do this. So I'm going to throw out the spoiler. And I did not play through Fear because I played the demo. And it was a very, very solid FPS with good enemy tactics and clean graphics. And then, like, it kept jumping into this, like, weird horror movie bullshit. Like, you walk down a hallway, and then all of a sudden, like, the hallway would stretch on forever. And then, like, blood would come down the walls. And you're just like, <laughs> what the... I'm in the middle of, like, this dramatic, like, FPS of shooting people, and now you're, like, throwing horror movie crap at me. What is this? You know, like, little girls being in doorways and running away before you get to them. Oh, and, God. Really? Yeah, it was, it was just very... That is super tired. Yeah, I was like, that. this is not very fun to play through at all. And then, so the guy tells me the story, and it's like, you're the brother of some guy who's remembering murder events why, because the memories are, like, in your suit or something. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck kind of stupid shit is that? That's the kind of thing that would only fly in a video game. You can't make a movie that dumb. I mean, like... <laughs> oh, don't don't, don't <laughs> test them. Yeah, I mean, just, like, the kind off. of shit that we put up with as video gamers is it's so trite and unsophisticated and like downright offensive to your intelligence that when something like a Mass Effect or a KOTOR or anything, anything with remote, you know, amounts of quality, Bioshock well, comes hell, along, people were impressed you're by fucking Chrono amazed. Trigger's storyline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, wow, this is way better than Actraiser. Yeah, this dude doesn't even talk, and it's still <laughs> yeah, better. That's what, what it takes. But uh, so. so Mass Effect, fucking AAA, you know... I mean, it's it's my game of the year. Go play it. If you want to find out what exactly I love, play Mass Effect. You'll probably like it. Even if you're not super into it, you'll at least have to admit that it was fun. And it's, it's pretty good. And if not, then, you know, maybe you're some kind of douchebag. I, I don't know. Uh, it's, as it's for my quality. game of the year, you'll have to wait until I play something that was released in 2007. Yeah, I was like... Which would be sometime <laughs> around 3,000. Yeah, I was going to say, we could play your game of the year in episode... Uh, Battle 43, <laughs> episode I, I may 16. Actually, I might very well not have played a game released this... Wait, when did Super Robot Wars W come out? Oh, that was this year, I think. Was it? When no, it... I think that was last... It might have been last year. I don't know. It was close. All right. No, no DS games from this year at all, huh? No Puzzle uh, Quest? No, I must, have, I must have played something on DS this year. Yeah. Uh, I did... Get, I have bought... Um, Fire Pro Returns for PS2, but that was released like two and a half years ago in Japan, so it's not really a <laughs> a new release. I also ordered uh, Neo Geo Battle Coliseum and KOF 11, also came out last year. <laughs> but there's just new American releases. Uh, so yeah, I'll get to I'll get you about I get on to you about that in a few years. 
uh, when I get my Wii for $79.99, <laughs> whatever it costs when I finally buy it. Um, I was reading through some stuff online. This is not really news, but this is a comment. Do you remember, it wasn't so long ago, when multi-platform games, such as Madden or whatever, uh, the Wii version always sucked, and it wasn't because the Wii was the sucky machine, but because it was like third in line in priority, you know? So well, like the Wii it, is the sucky machine. Make sorry, I'm at the GameCube, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm very sorry about that. But when okay. yeah, when when a game would come out like on all three systems, like the cube one would always have something wrong with it. There really wasn't an excuse for it's just that they didn't fucking care because they coded it with PS two and mine. Figured they right. could sell it some Xbox ones cube. and then and then by the time the cube came one along, they're like, does it run? Yeah, ship it. Uh, like, for example, you play Electronic Arts games on the cube, and there's, like, ass loads of loading time. And, it's and you know, there's more loading time in one Madden game than there is in all the other cube games combined ever made. And you're like, why is there load time? You know, cube games almost never have any load time, but you buy the multi-platform ones, and they're just loaded with it. Well, you would think with the Wii being the most popular system in the world right now, the, the that sort of half-ass bullshit would stop, you know, that they would kind of maybe, you know, pay more attention to what they're shipping. But uh, if you haven't heard, the Wii version of Guitar Hero is evidently mono. <laughs> it, it, despite saying Dolby Pro Logic 2 on the back, which would indicate, I don't know, four channels or something like that. Five, I think. Uh obviously a mistake not an intentional choice i believe the wii does have the power to play stereo sound uh pretty sure i've heard it done before <laughs> but for some reason they it, they fucked it up and i don't know they if they're gonna fix it in such a they might have announced the fix by now but last time i heard they were looking into it um i don't know if they're gonna ship you a new disc or what but they fucking should because if the vinyl lp from 35 years ago played in stereo when you play the wii version of that song on Guitar Hero, it should be in stereo. Seriously. Well, there's one more reason why I'm not a huge Wii fan, and if the if the Wii didn't belong to my roommate, I would totally unload it this holiday. There's just no reason for me to play it. I mean... For one trillion dollars. Yeah, I mean, people are saying that, uh, that Mario's pretty good, and you know, I guess I could great. give it a shot. I mean, it seems like the same old, same old to me, but I, I give it a shot. I'd check it out, you know. But I just, I mean, I don't have it. I don't have access to it, and I'm not. I don't really want to pay seven dollars to rent it because <laughs> I got too what many other g- good games to go. Is that through. what it costs to rent a game nowadays? Yeah, oh. it, I haven't it, rented a game in like a decade. Right. What they want you to do is pay twenty bucks a month for unlimited rentals instead of seven dollars for each rental. See what they want you to do there. That's what they. That's what they want. They want guaranteed money coming in every yeah. month. Well, in a way that's appealing, except for the fact that how many games do I play a month? Not much more than like one or two. And if you wait for them to get greatest hits, you can almost buy them for that. Well, the nice part of that though is that there's no due date. Like you pay twenty bucks, and you know, you decide to rent like like I don't know. Let's say you have Guitar Hero two, and you want to play Guitar Hero three. You know, you can borrow Guitar Hero 3 for, like, the whole month until you're tired of it, you know? Or even for two months. Like, whenever you feel like bringing it back. Yeah, it it, it makes perfect sense for certain people. Or you could clear Mass Effect, for instance, and then just give it back. Um, Myself, I mean, if it's 20 bucks a month, that's $240 a year, which is just about all I spend on games, period. And I own hundreds of games. Yeah, except for at the end you wouldn't own anything. So it's not good for someone like you. Yeah. That actually buys everything they want to play, but people like me, I mean, there's always stuff I want to play that I don't buy because I just—I mean, gaming is cool and everything, but I've got—I've <laughs> got to be somewhat responsible with my income. I got, you know, put aside money oh, for please, retirement, and I've got to please just get more credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I don't want to live the American dream of like having fifteen thousand dollars in credit debt. You know, I've—I don't carry a balance on my credit card and. I got a car payment that I'm paying off, and that's it. Like, that's, I don't really have tons and tons of debt because I don't throw, like, hundreds and hundreds of dollars into my gaming addiction, you know? 
if oh, I, I get, do, but over the period of like a decade. <laughs> <laughs> if I get one game a month, that's an amazing pace for me. Oh, I usually yeah. don't. Well, do I that. buy a lot of games, but I buy old stuff. Like I just bought like twenty PC Engine games for forty bucks again. Right, old stuff <laughs> does not count. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, I I did pick up like Far Cry Instincts Predator for seven dollars. This is seven dollars. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't rent it cheaper. You know, I it's worth it to buy it then. I bought Dead or Alive Four for fourteen bucks. Once again, you know, fourteen dollars is about what Dead or Alive Four is worth to me. You know, yeah, being the that. only yeah. fighting game on the 360 that I can <laughs> just pick up and play real quick for that cheap. Yeah, that's that that'll do for now. Till I until uh, something big comes out like Street Fighter Four, for instance. Yeah. You know, that might get sixty dollars spent on it. I'm not sure. Uh, I wouldn't spend sixty. I'm gonna wait for uh, what else am I waiting for the price to come down on Crackdown? Yeah, I'm looking. I'm probably gonna pick up Crackdown for 9.99, even though <laughs> it came out this year. It's already down to fifteen, and it'll be nine ninety nine like in a couple months, just because wow. I decided that to wait be most like of a year. Killer seven of of three sixty. <laughs> it's uh, apparently people say it's the most overlooked good game for the three sixty. Like it doesn't deserve to be nine ninety nine already. How could they? How could anyone overlook? It's not like the three sixties comes up with a great game every week or something. Well, you there's so anything? many games that it's easy for things to not get the sales that they deserve. Crackdown didn't really market itself at all, you know. Mm. You'd probably yeah, never even heard of pretty it. Pretty much need to be told. I I've heard of it. I have the slightest idea what it is, but yeah, I, it's yeah not common. It's kind of like Grand Theft Auto. If you played like Superman, who's a cop, like you know, you can jump yeah. tall buildings and like throw thugs for miles and enforce the law by you know kicking cars at people. Essentially, you get stronger and stronger and faster and faster and can jump farther and farther, and it's a big free open world like GTA, so it's very fun to just be able to leap from building top to building top and kick criminals for half a mile. Um, More, okay, if you had some other news you want to hear anywhere else. Uh, Hobby Link in Japan is a mail-order hobby shop. They've been in business for, I don't know, over a decade. It was started by a guy from Michigan who uh, is like this penultimate fat nerdy guy who builds models. Penultimate? And, uh, so you mean penultimate. he's next to ultimate? Uh, let's just say ultimate. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Anyway, so there's this guy. And uh, I, think he's from, I think he's from Michigan. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, he's definitely American. And he moved to Japan, and uh, he's got several jobs that he has you know he writes for newspapers and stuff but the uh the main thing that he does as far as i'm concerned is he has he had started a mail order model store in japan and originally the idea was it was just too hard and too expensive to buy model kits from japan in america the selection sucked the people who owned the stores didn't know what the hell to put in the shops and they charged they thought it was perfectly cool to charge 35 dollars for a model kit that cost 700 yen you know um because they said oh it's imported so somehow it increased eight times in price, you know. Uh, so anyway, he started this shop, and it was like a small thing. I think it might have been in his apartment or something. But it's expanded a lot. I've ordered things from them now and then, and it's it's a pretty big shop. And they've got they basically can get you anything that's currently in production. It's not just all anime kits and stuff. It's, there's a lot of uh, military and aircraft and automotive models because. That stuff, surprise, surprise, is also being done better by the Japanese than anybody else. But what I found very surprising was they are huge now, okay? They've moved out of their rental warehouse and have built a warehouse <laughs> to be the Hobby Link Japan warehouse. Now, real estate in Japan is not cheap, okay? Building a warehouse is not cheap no matter where you live. And I was really surprised to see this like huge Ultraman type of uh, building, you know, that they did. It's like a really interesting looking building and everything that they built. So I guess if this is still going on, this is still expanding, you know, maybe the anime bubble has not completely burst as I thought it sort of did. Or maybe they make a lot of more money off aircraft and military kits than I thought. I don't know. Very but possible. They're, they're just selling you plastic, right? That's yeah. All it is. Yeah. Um,. But in the strange thing about model kits is like they've gotten kind of they've gotten like more feature rich and expensive and everything lately. Like when they first sold the first Master Grade Gundam, I think it was like twenty eight hundred yen, 
and now the newer master grades that are coming out are getting like 58, 6800 yen because they're more complex and they represent later, bigger, more complex mecha in the shows. But I mean, that's like almost triple the cost, some of these fuckers. You know, it's kind of, and people are buying them, a lot of them. You know, they don't just buy one. I've only ever bought one Master Grey Gundam. It was too much. It was too complicated. <laughs> like the simpler ones. Uh, okay, I want so the that, one that doesn't require glue. Oh, none of them require glue anymore. Oh, that's sweet. They haven't required glue since like the 80s. They just snap together. That's sweet. Yeah, well, they've gotten to the point, like in the mid-90s, they started developing this technology that allowed them to mold multiple colors on the same sprue. So, like, you don't even have to paint them. It already comes in multiple colors and they have, like, logos Sweet. and insignias, like, in the plastic already. That's so, cool. even if you buy one of the really expensive ones, like a Master Grade or maybe even a Perfect Grade, if you just click it together, it does look phenomenally good considering there's no paint applied or anything. If you so want to be hardcore... So, at this point, they're not really models as much as they are just three-dimensional puzzles. Uh, Kind of, yeah. And what's it's strange because I prefer to buy the cheaper kits and that way there's more modeling that needs to be done and there's also more modeling that can be done because if you buy a really fancy ass like the new Master Grade Zeta 2.0 that came out uh, it's so complex and it transforms and it's so poseable and everything what, even there's if, a new Master Grade Zeta 2.0? the 2.0 well, the fuck 1. I want 0. him as my co-host fuck you <laughs> the 1.0 had problems like standing it would yeah, I know. Limp and He's stuff. exactly like that. Wow. Well, it also didn't look like the Zeta Gundam enough. It, it was a little bit Hajime Kitoki and not like the one in the show. It was kind of frustrating. But anyway, so if you buy it, like let's say you don't like the sculpt. Like, oh, I think his shoulders are too small or whatever. You can't just go and like put some plastic art on there and build them up or anything because all that shit has to move and pose and transform and all that fucking crap. And all that stuff, all that posability and all that... Uh, a gimmickry, like they're that the Japanese word for tricks, you know, pop open hatches is a gimmick. All the gimmicks, all the posability, uh, it gets in the way. So, if you actually are the kind of guy who paints everything, you actually have to take more steps in order to get around all this crap aimed at the casual modeler in order just to make the thing like you used to be able to make robots. So, they're really great, but I prefer fixed pose garage kits or, um, one one forty fourth models that only cost four hundred yen, and you can do whatever you want to, and you're not going to fuck up anything because all they have is five joints. You know, I like that kind of stuff. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm very terrible at like super precise small movement type things. Like I've fucked up every model I've ever interacted with. Uh, mm. So it's I've, <laughs> that's why you need to give me the one that's a fucking three D puzzle where I'm like snap 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 and it looks fucking great. <laughs> oh yeah, they, there's no doubt about it. They are absolutely amazing pieces of engineering. You leave that to me, I will epic fail all over it. I'm terrible at modeling. You look at um, it sometimes and I go, wow, I can't believe NASA didn't make this. You know, it's like this is a fucking you know, toy. Wow. Much better <laughs> things to be making out there. You know, if you're gonna make shit. Yeah, you probably yeah. make something that makes you money that, <laughs> instead of costing. Well, that's money. the thing. I mean, I I do work on cars for a living. <laughs> I there make shit go. and fix shit for real all the time. So this is something that you know, I don't feel a sense of accomplishment from building a non-functional plastic robot. It, but I do get some entertainment from it. Um, other news: fans of Super Dodgeball, count uh, me in. Yeah. Um, Super Dodgeball, everyone kind of thinks of the arcade and the NES version, not the Neo Geo one or maybe the Game Boy Advance one. Um, combat. I didn't know there was a GBA one. It's you didn't know there me. was a GBA one? Yeah, it's no, cool. I liked not. it. There was no Game Face Radio for me to listen to. How would I find out? <laughs> it was before that, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a new one coming out, and the Niketsu Kunio Kun games are a long, I don't know, there must be like 20 of them. Most of them on Famicom, some Super Famicom. Uh, the Technos, the company that made them, has kind of gone away. So, like, their most valuable thing now is the dodgeball games, not the brawler, like, Double Dragon clones that they used to make. And Double Dragon, they made Double Dragon, too. Um, River City Ransom, bitch. Yeah, River City Ransom is the is the big one with Americans. There's actually a couple other fighting game fighters like that yeah uh, yeah, yeah. i've, I've played them all like the one that was a lot like street fighter where it was actually like a tournament and it's just one-on-one with all kinds of supers 
That game that was like the best fighting game for the NES. I like um Gombre Dunk Heroes. It's a basketball one. <laughs> I like that one. And then I like Crashing the Boys. Yeah, Crashing the Boys Street Challenge was um, great. And I also like Tachino Banka, which is uh, the jailbreak one on Super Famicom. Like you get accused, uh, Riki and Kunio get accused of hitting someone on their motorcycle, or they get accused of something they didn't do, as opposed to all the thug things you know they do. And uh, they were thrown <laughs> in prison, and you have to break out. And uh, it's it, it has girls in it. You can play as thug uh, Bosuzoku girls in it also. <laughs> oh man, I need. But God, I can't. I can't enough, wait you know? to look at the show notes and click your download link that you provide because I'm looking forward to that. I have the cartridge, dude. I have no idea where to get the ROM. Wait, I have the ROM too. Come to think of it. <laughs> I, I, anyway, so uh, yeah, look for a. Um, they're not. They said they're not going to have Wi-Fi connection, but they, hopefully, you know, they'll at least have local versus play. Hopefully, uh, battle dodgeball, where when you hit the guy really hard with a ball. He dies. <laughs> a little angel flows. Yeah, everyone likes that. Check out Super uh, Super Dodgeball on NES. It's all about Bill. Fucking throw that ball straight up, and it just comes down and murders someone. Yeah, the teleport ball. Now they have names. All the balls have names and stuff. Twister and all that shit. Um, I, um, actually, one of my favorite uh, Shona Ketsu games was uh, marketed in America as World Cup Soccer. Which yeah. couldn't you know, have been a bigger fucking misnomer. Like I'm sure some <laughs> Mexican kid was like, "Oh, it is sweet this World Cup football. I love to play football." And then like you got fat Shonaketsu dudes like jump flick kicking a ball that teleports <laughs> in like three and kills two guys on its way to the goal. <laughs> like I actually have that. Um, I have that for uh, PC Engine. This. It's pretty much the same as the Famicom one, only they added some shitty, shitty voice cinemas. And uh, plays. it's kind of simple. I mean, they really did more with... Their sports games are pretty simplistic, considering their fighting games are some of the deepest and most complex uh, beat-em-ups that exist. I mean, you can kick somebody's ass so many ways in a downtown game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you can actually, like, kick them in the head and sit on top of them, punch them in the face, pick up their body, throw it. The other guy, player two, can catch it. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. Like... What, you can throw them and then, like, into a wall and then, like, throw a pipe that bounces off the wall and lands <laughs> on them and, like, you know, be jump-kicking while that's happening and hit them with your, your uh, acro circus so it juggles them back up. I'm like, yeah, corner yeah. infinites. <laughs> and you can do you can do most of that in uh, Gombre Dog Heroes. <laughs> it's like the most violent basketball game that you've ever seen. Uh, another thing i like to mention news-wise, I think, I'm not sure how much I talked about this before, but... Kiki Kai Kai, which is Pocky and Rocky in the U.S. for Super Nintendo. Amazingly great game. Very similar to um, Zombies Ate My Neighbors, maybe. Ah, or, yes, uh, that game. Something like that. It's overhead um, action, two-player simultaneous. Gorgeous graphics, really good sound, all that. Um, originally, it was an arcade game that wasn't really that pretty. And it was also on PC Engine. It wasn't really that great either. But the Super Famicom one was just gorgeous um, overhead, you know, like Commando, Ikari Warriors kind of thing, but with, like, being able to go left and right and up and down and having really great graphics. The player one is, uh, like, a priestess, Japanese traditional Shinto priestess, I think. Player two is a Tanuki, so she throws those little talisman things and he throws leaves, and uh, really great. Well, there was, out of nowhere, like, this announcement that um, they were going to make this Kiki Kai Kai 2, for even though there already was a Pocky and Rocky 2, I guess they want to, if Super Famicom exclusive, I guess they wanted to like forget about that one. It wasn't that good. Uh, they were going to make this one for PS2, and then all of a sudden it gets canceled, and people like me were quite um, disappointed by that. But now it seems that it's not canceled, kind of, because they have gone and announced this other game that. Um, looks exactly like uh, Yukinko Daisenpu, also for PS2, coming out in the U.S. as Heavenly something. What is it? Heavenly something. Can't read it, and it's in English, and I can't read it. 
Uh, <laughs> but anyway, well, that makes me feel like an idiot. What? Oh, Heavenly Guardian. Yeah. But the thing is, it's very obviously, it is this Pocky and Rocky 2 game, but they've redone all the graphics. So now it has like more of a worldwide Halloween-y theme instead of just a spooky Japanese theme. Um, don't know what's going on with that and why they trashed the original. They had all these shots of it and everything, and it was, I don't know, weird. So the good news is the game's still coming out. The bad news is it doesn't have Pocky or Rocky in it. it it's uh, a different... You think there are people with character loyalty from 1999? They're like, what the fuck? Well, this is an overhead <laughs> 2D PlayStation 2 release. I mean, I'm those just are pretty saying. much the only people left <laughs> buying those things. Are the people that know Pocky and Rocky, you know? Yeah. No, they're not going to get those Far Cry people. They're like, oh, yeah, that looks you, awesome. You know, Fuck uh, Skater, I'm buying Heavenly Guardian. I was just thinking that uh, when you mentioned the, you know, Kari Warriors overhead games, I was like, you ever wonder if there's anyone that played King of Fighters and is like, oh, this, this Clark and Ralph guy are from some other game, it turns out. Something called Akari Warriors. And then he gets his hands on it and he's like, what the fuck? I don't, how do I rolling Death Cradle someone? <laughs> <laughs> he's all pissed off because it has just nothing to do with KOF at all. Like, it's completely yeah, same like, thing unrelated. Athena. I like Akari Warriors 2 a lot. <laughs> I think it's cool how weird and bizarre it is and how you're in space and there's demons and swords and shit. I mean, the first one is all just, you know, Rambo, right? But then the second one is like you're in space and the the boss is yelling at you in the beginning of the game like, hey, come on, or whatever. Or maybe that's your guy. I don't know. That's weird. Um, oh, it has little um, putty-type guys that jump around and go, nee, nee, like they're from Dynaman or Power Rangers or some shit. It's crazy. I love that game. Awesome. The only problem is it uses a rotational stick, right? So Uh if you want to play it in MAME, you have to play the version that's hacked to work with a normal A-direction stick. But it's hard to play with a normal A-direction stick because every time you want to walk backwards, you shoot backwards, you know. And in the arcade version, like, well, you could buy the arcade board for 20 bucks, right? But then you have to build an eight-directional stick for your super gun, which most people don't use because it only is useful on heavy barrel Ikari Warriors 1, Ikari Warriors 2, and maybe like, one other thing. That I Too can't much of. detail. <laughs> yeah. It's Ikari Warriors. Let it go, motherfucker. Hey, that was like one of my favorite games when I was a kid, man. I couldn't believe Ikari Warriors 2. I was such a huge fan of 1. I wish I could be blown away like by a sequel like that again, you know? Like, this is fucking great. That's it how I feel about Street Mass Fighter Effect. 4. Is that a sequel? Well, it's the spiritual successor to KOTOR since KOTOR 2 was actually, like, not made by BioWare and was totally sucky. Like, it's really kind of the follow-up to one of my most beloved games ever, and it's living up to all my expectations. So they ditched the license and it got better. They did. They, I'm sure they just didn't feel like paying for the license. They wanted to make their yeah. own universe so they could yeah, make they up all the Yeah, they spent the money rules. on development instead. Yep, and it, <laughs> it shows. It's It always makes very clear signs when someone loves what they're doing versus when someone's cashing a paycheck. Halo 3 was a complete money grab, paycheck cash. There's, like, no love in the single player at all. It was just thrown in there. Like, there's some love in the multiplayer, but not in the single player. Single player feels like just a complete, we have to put this in. So here it is, you know. Very low quality. A lot of games play like that. A lot of games are just shit, but every now and then, you get the right mix of creativity plus just love for what they're doing and it it really that's what makes people like us gamers that's what gets us into it you know someone loved the idea of chibi street fighter characters <laughs> in a puzzle game and they weren't they could have just made it where the character just like stood there in the background and didn't do shit he didn't have to go through all the trouble to like give them sprites and taunts and like you know, make them yeah, do supers yeah. when they win. Like, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to have Udon hand draw all the backgrounds and, like, put lots of little, you know, nuances and kicks to other Capcom games. He didn't have to do that. But it's just out of pure love for the license and what he was making that you get something phenomenal like that. Well, at the time when, that, when uh, Puzzle Fighter 2 came out, 
Uh, and in case anyone listening thinks there's such a thing as Puzzle Fighter 1 or Puzzle Fighter 2 that is not Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, there's only one Puzzle Fighter, just to make it clear. Um, when that came out, I think we were all riding the Capcom high. I mean, they were kicking ass on such an amazing level. Yeah, that they was were right around the time of Alpha 2. And even their second tier games like Night Warriors were fucking awesome. <laughs> so, like, it, it, it's so now you look at it and you go, oh, God. Street Fighter 4, the first fighting game in seven years, and it looks like it's going to suck ass. You know, <laughs> and it was nothing like that. I mean, they were just like home run, home run, home run. Um, and and I think that that puzzle game was just sort of an extension of that that same sort of talent and creativity and marketplace. You know, they knew people were going to play it. I mean, when a puzzle fighter came out, I literally couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is this is exactly what I want to play. <laughs> yeah, I actually this played is fantastic. the arcade version of it recently. You, yeah, ever, you ever played it? Like, it's yeah, awesome. yeah. My arcade had it when it first came. Two out. big fucking colored buttons. That's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, I think it's time to cue the outro. Wait, I have, I have one more thing I absolutely have to mention. Okay. Uh, the uh, English translation of Card Fighters Two for Neo Geo Pocket. Uh-huh. Moving along very well. The the working prototype is fully playable, has tons of uh, text and everything. If you want to read about it, it's at cfc2english.blogspot.com. Um, I have a uh, raw. I don't think it's distributing it yet. Maybe I don't know. But I have a prototype of the you know progress so far, and it's looking great. Uh, hopefully, this will push somebody into making good Neo pocket flashcards that actually have USB ports on them instead of parallel. Uh, and we'll all be able to play it on actual hardware. Um, I'll mention more of it when I get to test more of it next time. Alright, sweet deal. Uh, I think that was a pretty action-packed episode. Like, uh, brief and violent. That's the way we do things right here. <laughs>